Hey guys, so I have some great news I'm really excited to share with you. If you are a single woman, a divorced woman, or if you have a daughter who's single or divorced, you are going to want to get a copy of my new book, How to Get Hitched and Stay Hitched, which is available now at Amazon for pre-order. And here's some inside scoop you probably don't know. Pre-orders matter. They're a great indication of consumer interest in a book. So a lot of so if a lot of people pre-order the book, retailers are more likely to keep a lot of copies in stock. So please, please head on over to Amazon and type in how to get hitched. This book is the antidote you need to reject the lies you've been fed by the culture about men, about sex, about love, about marriage, and about work and family. It's about what you really want versus what you've been told you should want. And it's about what's true of men in marriage versus what you've been told is true. The subtitle of the book is A 12-Step Program for Marriage-Minded Women because it's designed to be a detox from the cultural garbage women have been fed for years and to help support you in your desire to be as successful in your personal life as you are in your professional life. Again, that's How to Get Hitched and Stay Hitched, a 12-step program for marriage-minded women up at Amazon for pre-order now. Okay, guys, I cannot tell you how excited I am for today's podcast episode. It's the first of its kind, and I wish I could tell you that more will come, but the truth is it's really hard to get a coaching client who's willing to talk about their marital struggles. Obviously, I mean, that's not surprising. Fortunately, Lauren Taylor is unique in this way and agreed to come on my podcast to talk about her and her husband, Jared's struggles and about our work together. When Lauren, who by the way is from South Africa, first reached out to me, she and her husband had separated and were close to divorce when she heard about me and bought a copy of the Alpha Female's Guide to Men and Marriage, which she said spoke to her. When I asked Lauren what's on her wish list for how she'd like her marriage to be different, she wrote that what she wanted was to be softer and kinder to her husband and to be more tolerant of his shortcomings, to find a way to effectively balance their roles and responsibilities, to find a solution to their finances, to stop feeling resentful, and to feel safe, secure, and adored. And we're gonna talk about all those things in our conversation today. Lauren was an ideal client, as was her husband actually, for one overarching reason, their attitude. I wish all my clients were as open and as committed as Lauren and Jared were. It makes all the difference in the world. If you are not all in, if your attitude is not let's do this, coaching won't work. So without further ado, let's meet Lauren. Welcome to the show, Lauren. Hi, Suzanne. Thank you so much for having me here with you today. It's super exciting. I'm so excited to talk to you, really. I'm, I'm excited for you to share your story and um, for people to learn and just feel so emboldened by your story. That's the most exciting thing for me. And I um, like I said in the opening, I wish I could do tons of these all the time, but there aren't a lot of Laurens who are willing to do it. So I'm so grateful for you. Yeah, I you. thought we'd begin by just telling people, let's tell people how old you are, how long you've yeah. been married, and then tell us about your online business that was supposed to be just sort of a side gig and then it <laughs> ballooned and how that changed your life for you and then for your marriage as well. Okay, so Jared and myself, we're both 31 years old. Um, we have been married for nine years, almost nine years. Uh, we've been together for, sure, since we were 17, 18. So that's well over 12, 13 years already. We were actually together for two years and we broke up for two years and realized that we were still very much in love and wanted to be together. And so we um, got back together and shortly after that fell pregnant with um, Aaron. So I've been married for nine years and um, yeah, we kind of started um, with big dreams. Um, at that stage, I had a diploma in hairdressing and when I fell pregnant, I had to sort of, you know, make new plans and Jared's mom owns a company called Manners for Minors and she gifted me with an amazing opportunity to start my own franchise. So I would become a Miss Manners and I went in and started my own business and actually started teaching good manners to little kids. And then in the afternoons, I could come home and spend time with Aaron when he was a baby. Uh, and I sort of built the business up and it was doing really well, but I was traveling a lot. Um, I live in a small little town in Hardy Bisbord Dam and it, it was about an hour's drive every day. 
Undine Excuse Greenlee. me, just to remind anyone, sorry, who didn't hear the beginning, this is South Africa, just so yes. people know. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And um, so, you know, Delene needed a bit of help at head office and she said, well, you know, sell the franchise and come and work at head office. And so I sold the franchise and, um, you know, I earned a, a very humble, nice little salary. Um, I trained all the Miss Manners, did project development, curriculum development, um, and so between myself and Jared and the salary we earned, we were both pretty equal at that stage. Uh, we lived in a, a one and a half bedroom little flat on someone's property, just starting out. Um, and yeah, things were simple. Um, we didn't have much money left over. We drove one little car. And, um, but we always sort of had big dreams. And shortly after that, someone introduced us to network marketing. And I think there, um, things really changed for me in terms of what was possible. And this idea of financial freedom was sold to me um, and to Jared too. I think we realized that, wow, you know, we really do value our time. Um, and here we were in this little house at late at night, dreaming what we would do if we had all this money and time freedom and where we would go and how we would spend it. Um, and so I think that's sort of where it all started for, for me was this desire to just live a certain life and not really intending, um, having no clue it would be where it is today at all. Um, and so I was still working at Manners for Miners and a friend of mine approached with a business she'd started selling weight loss products. Uh, I'd always been overweight, so this really spoke to me. I was you know, very um, passionate about it and helping other people. Um, and at that stage, it was all just about earning a little bit of extra money. Um, you know, something that would help pay my car off or help us go on a holiday. I had no intentions that this would ever be a huge business. Um, and that pretty much happened for about six months where it was sort of very, very small amounts to supplementing my income on the side. And then one month I decided to run a competition and try something different on Facebook. Uh, we used to call it. Uh Oh, hold on, Lauren. Sorry, you froze for a minute. We used to we used to call it what? We used to call it um, like the Facebook honeymoon days because you could post something and everybody would, you know, it's not like it is now where the algorithms are against you. Yes, yes. <laughs> it was great. You just posted something and people would respond. And I thought, well, let me have a competition and I will give away a free month supply. And it just blew up. Um, when I said blew up, it just blew up. Um, and I realized then what was possible with this business. Financially, financially. Yeah, it, mm -hmm. it was just just out of this world. I mean, it, it almost like times 20 my salary in, in one month. Um, and so it kind of got to a, a, a situation where I needed to make a decision. I couldn't do matters for minors and this. And, you know, obviously it was far exceeding my salary. And so I, I did it and I had such a passion for it. Um, Plus it allowed then, you to be home, right? You were home for all this. Whereas the yeah, other job you weren't, yeah. Yeah, so I could be home for it. Um, but I was working until two in the morning. I mm -hmm. became absolutely obsessed, totally obsessed. Um, and it grew quickly. And, you know, within six months, it was like we'd almost like, it practically was like we'd won the lotto. We'd gone from this tiny little flat with one car to both having the car of our dreams, moving into a new home. Um, and so things really sped up quickly. Um, and then in that stage, not even realizing what that was doing to the marriage or what, what it would do to the future of our marriage. And what was strange in hindsight, if I look back now, as, as the success grew and as my bank account grew, so did my resentment towards Jared. Um, and yeah, it, 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 but it was not something I was aware of. I couldn't pinpoint it then as to why these feelings were happening. And the more I was making money, um, the more I would look down on him um, and the less um, desirable he became to me. But actually, he didn't change. Nothing about him changed at all. Um, and so that really was, yeah, the start of, of where things sort of became a bit of a problem. Um, and like we've said in a lot of our coaching previously and our generation, it's a problem because we live like roommates. So whatever I was making was mine. It wasn't Jarrah's. You know, he was going to have to make a plan to, to keep up. That was the attitude. And let me interrupt you there for a second. When you look back on that now, because I know you're in a different place today and we're going to get to all that. 
why do you think that was for you um, that it you felt it that way that you thought that that's why did you view it that way yeah I opinion? think that that comes down to culture no one teaches you otherwise I mean um, like what you own and earn is yours is yours yeah that's how the world has sort of told you it's not even something you think about it's not even something you choose it's not like I chose to make it that way it's just how it was. It was a case of, well, I'm making this, I'm bringing this to our lives. So you're going to have to step up now and somehow meet me halfway. And of course there was no way he was going to be able to do that. I mean, it was, it's, if, if I look back now, no wonder the guy felt the way he did. I mean, what was he supposed to do that was yep. going to change things? Yep. Um, so yeah, it all, all makes a lot of sense now. Okay. And so at that at that point, I wrote something down here because I remember you said this, um, and so I make note of it. I made note of it and wrote it down. You said, "I thought we weren't normal until I found you." So tell tell everybody where the connection between stumbling upon me in this situation, where you were with your marriage when we met. Okay, so yeah, when that started happening, um, I then fell pregnant with our second child, and at that stage, running a business, pregnant again. Um, Jared sort of had an ultimatum already then at that point that he was going to go and work for my dad. He left his job. He wasn't earning enough money, according to me. Um, and so he was going to get this job with my dad. Um, but it required that he worked away for two months at a time. So he was gone for two months and back for two weeks. Um, and again, because I was running my business and I'm the strong woman, uh, people would say, are you sure that you're going to manage with a brand new baby, a child that's already you know, six years old and a business and your husband's not around. I was like, no problem. I'm just going to be easy. And off he went and it wasn't that way. So of course the resentment grew even further. I felt more of a victim. And um, so yeah, Jared eventually came back and that was about you know, sitting at home for two years, not really having work. And last year, pretty much after the whole COVID thing, September, um, I just had enough. I don't know. I'd reached a point where I was overweight, depressed. I did not see any um, form of um, reconciliation in our marriage or any, and not even that. I just felt we tried everything and, and we really had tried. It wasn't a case of not wanting to try. Um, I felt totally hopeless and I knew I just couldn't keep doing it that way. Um, and so the only option was that it was enough now. And it was time to, you know, end things. So I had actually asked Jared to leave. Um, we were still, um, you know, luckily kept things very um, nice and, you know, for the kids, uh, but still in a place of not being too sure of what I was actually going to do. Um, the one day I took a drive and I was listening to Michaela Peterson. Yeah, so I was listening to a lot of her podcasts and I came across one of yours. And I think... It, it, it's what I stopped at because I was really struggling internally with this decision of do we divorce? Is it really the end? Um, and I think because I'd become a fairly new Christian in terms of values that, you know, you don't just leave someone. Um, it actually was quite an inconvenience because I thought, oh, you know, if I hadn't become a Christian, it would have been so much easier to make this choice. I could have just been like, I'm done. But there was something nagging at me saying, you know, this is a really big decision. This is huge. This will change the trajectory of my entire life. And your kids' um, life. And my children's life, mm -hmm. exactly. So I listened. And it was interesting because I wasn't really surprised by your message about feminism. I've never been a feminist. I've actually been quite anti. So I think that really resonated with me. But I, I also realized that it was kind of, um, it was interesting because, because I wasn't a feminist and didn't have those views, I was shocked that it had actually affected me the way it did. <laughs> I have a quote in one of my books um, that said they were feminists without knowing it. Like it dripped into their, yes. into their arm, like an intravenous solution in an unconscious page <laughs> yes. or something. Like you don't realize it's happening to you. Even yes. when you say you're not. Absolutely. Yes, that's that's exactly how pervasive it is. Yeah. That is the experience I had. And it's, it was like almost shocking that, how it affected my life. And so when I heard your message and, and this whole thing, I, like I said, I thought Jared and I, although we are generally quite a, I call it a severe case, our situation is quite mm -hmm. severe. Um, be, you know, the child parent dynamic between us was so severe 
I was looking around at other people saying something's wrong with us. And then hearing your message, I was like, oh which my this is what I was talking to Michaela Peterson and we were yeah. talking so a lot about of it, female breadwinners yeah, the, or something. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And then I was like, well, if someone else is speaking about this on a podcast, you know, it means it's an issue. It means yeah. that this is not just us. Um, and yeah, obviously from, from that podcast, I was hooked. I was literally listening to absolutely everything that you'd put out. I got your books. I, yeah, I, I and the, obviously the more I'm listening, the more convicted I became in the decision I had to make. I knew what I had to do. Um, and then, yeah, we had the uh, free consultation session. Um, and I, yeah, I think that solidified everything and, and helped me with my decision. And I think when we originally spoke, remember he had moved out. You were you were yes. you were alone in that place, and and then yes. I we didn't talk for about six weeks after that initial call because you were trying to decide what was going to happen. And then I didn't yeah. hear from you, and then he came back home, and then you yeah we started, which he, was awesome. Yeah, because I knew that if you know if we were going to book for the sessions, we took you know three months, a commitment of three months. I thought, okay, this is enough time. Three months is enough time, and I think I'd realized through listening to you that actually I haven't I hadn't exhausted all my avenues. I hadn't tried everything. And so to make the decision to go ahead with the divorce um, would have been unfair. And because now I was aware that there was actually another way. So I thought, okay, there is this other way. I'm going to give it three months. Let's do it. Um, and then I realized, well, how am I going to work on my marriage if my husband's not yeah, in the house? Right, right. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and I think I'd said so, that to you, like, yes. I can't really do this unless you're too, yeah. Yeah, it doesn't really make sense. Right. Um, who am I going to practice on? So it was kind of a case of like, okay, well, we're going to give it three months. We're going to commit. We're going to go all in. And yeah. So how would you describe to someone what the this is that you tried bef before getting divorced? What was this last ditch thing? How would you describe it to someone if someone else wanted to call me, let's say? Say, what, what is that all about? Like, what did you do? Um, do you mean... Like all the, all the avenues that we had pre previously tried. Um, the, you and me post working with me that what, what was the thing that you tried that you hadn't before you called me? Okay. Well, I think uh, that's quite an easy one was actually looking at myself. Every other avenue was a way of fixing Jared. Mm -hmm. Every single other thing mm -hmm. we tried was working on what was wrong with him not actually what was wrong with me because I was perfect right mm -hmm. I was of course. doing everything of course. right yeah of course women I, everything right. <laughs> yeah I was you know making the money I was looking after the kids I was I was yeah so righteous um and so it was the only thing where it actually required that I took a step back and looked at myself and thought oh actually you could be a, 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 a big problem here and when you started to do some of those things, what did it look like and what was the response from Jared? So it was very difficult. It still is. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, it's, it's something that's going to take some time. I, th I think initially we both knew what we were doing. So if there was any strange difference in my behavior, he, I think he knew where it was coming from. <laughs> but there were some times where it just happened so naturally. Um, and it, it proved that in how I changed or did things differently, I often got what I wanted. And maybe okay, I want not, just, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, and maybe it wasn't instantly, um, but there was, uh, yeah, there's so much to say. There, there was um, almost like um, a reconnecting that sort of started to happen. Um, so for people who are listening right now, can you tell them, I can hear them thinking, what is it that you did? What was it specifically? Can you give one or two things that we did? Or, I mean, I didn't do, you did, but yeah. that we worked on that you did that produced a different result. Result. I think the biggest thing was just to shut up. That, that was the start, <laughs> was just to actually shut my mouth. <laughs> um, and that is still something I struggle with. Me too. Um, yeah. But, but that is the awareness now. It's like, you don't always have to have an opinion and you don't always have to say something. And that was profound for me because it was like, really? But my opinion matters a lot. And I realized it doesn't. And um, again, trusting. Well, it matters. Trusting, it matters. Your opinion matters, but there's just yes. a way to express it. Let's put it that to way. To express it. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and so it, it was about learning to just be quieter and not always have something to say. 
um, and, and trust. I think that was, so the, the two biggest thing was to be quiet and to trust that he was able and capable mm-hmm. um, and to actually allow him to make those mistakes. And it was a, it was a big step for him because he was kind of like, not sure of like, okay, she's not really saying much. So should I do something or, or not? Um, and then it was allowing him to do it. And then also being okay with whatever the outcome was, whatever yeah. it was that he did or said, um, it's okay. However that looks, it's okay. Um, so those have been the two. In the same years. way that all those years when it was reversed, he didn't complain when you messed up. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Like you exactly. made, you know, you, he was getting out of your way so you could make the decisions and yeah. um, his response to that was totally different from the way yours was when you kind of reversed it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me, tell them, tell the people a little bit about your background and Jared's, your childhoods in terms of what your takeaway about marriage and love and relationships was then versus now. Okay. So I think, you know, we both come from secular homes where there was no, um, no form of religion or nothing really. Um, there was no forms of beliefs. There were values. I mean, everyone's got values to be good people, but that's as, as far as it went. Um, there was never conversations about, you know, the type of person you should marry one day. Uh, I mean, we kind of come from that, that era where our parents smoked with us. We ate cereal and watched cartoons all day. We didn't have that information that we do now. So our upbringing, like, you know, the typical 80s kids, uh, 80s and early 90s, um, our parents spent the majority of their weekends drinking and partying, and we were there. We were amongst the adults. Um, we call it braying in South Africa. We have a braai. Oh, spell that. that. What does that say? It's a, it's a, it's a barbecue. So oh. we call it a braai. Okay. It's B-R-A-A-I. So okay. every weekend there'd be a braai and a lot of drinking oh, and partying. Oh, and that word? Braai. Let's have a braai. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> and, um, yeah, it's, it's sort of... Um, it's yeah we, we you know although we knew our parents loved each other there was a lot of dysfunction um and and again the biggest thing i think from our backgrounds was the lack of communication of what to look for in a spouse yeah as you become you know in addition a, a, to adult. the modeling that wasn't good in each of your scenarios right so yes because you know a lot of people will say well not everybody sits down the way you do suzanne and like talks about this stuff all throughout childhood. And that is true for sure. My kids were overloaded. But if you don't do that, the, another option is to model it, right? Because whatever they see, whatever we see growing up is what we think marriage is or shouldn't be or whatever our takeaway is. But even if you don't convey it, which I still think that you should, at the very least, model it. So if you don't model it, if there's divorce or a high conflict marriage mixed with no discussion, it's kind of a double whammy. Whammy. You know, there's this concept called like the, the sunk cost fallacy. And it's where you make a mistake in life. But because you've invested so much in this mistake, you continue to stay in it. And I think that really represents, I know for me and, and my sort of situation with my parents, um, where that it, it, it was a sunk cost fallacy situation, where in that situation, it probably would have been better um, because they didn't find... They didn't find common ground. They, they actually are not together today. They've, they've recently separated. Um, and so it's sad to see that, you know, despite all the years of staying together because of the sunk cost fallacy, and um, it still sort of ended up where it would have ended up three years prior. Um, so, yes. Okay, so you guys, you, and you wouldn't say that either one of you kind of came away with this idea that you didn't want to be necessarily like your parents or you wanted like marriage wasn't um you didn't think so much about these things at the beginning of your marriage the way you do now now i know you're just completely different people it seems like totally yeah i mean i mean it was just yeah i mean we we didn't even value marriage when jared and i got married we didn't have a wedding we were we i've never been the type of girl that was going to have this white wedding there was no value to it there was Mm -hmm. absolutely no idea of what marriage meant Mm -hmm. and what you were actually getting into and what Mm -hmm. that commitment looked like you were just going to get married um i felt pregnant with aaron we literally went to court 
there was a nice dusty old plastic cake in the corner of the room and we sat and signed a piece of paper and we went and had a coffee and a breakfast after our we did that that was it see and even though that's a very particular situation i still think that you're so um you're such a manifestation or an example rather of the millennial generation certainly over here in america where marriage there's no um it's it's not valued and prioritized for one thing the way that it used to be that's number one there's no real understanding of the significance of it and what it means like mm -hmm. you're saying and the the weight of it doesn't really hit them until they're in in it kind of yes. like what happened to you and then yeah. you're in this situation where it's not working and there's children there depending on you right mm -hmm. and then it's like oh my god why didn't anybody tell me mm -hmm. and so and Go ahead. The, the scary thing is how many people in that situation, and that's why I'm so grateful, think that the solution then is just to get a divorce, a divorce. and do it again. Yep. Bing, because, bing, bing you go. know, um, where does it think, end? Yeah, exactly. Where, where does it end? Um, and so I think, you know, in hindsight, I, I think our parents both, I wouldn't say that they sit with regret, but I think in, in some aspects they do because they, they too have sit with a little bit of regret. Oh, you know, yeah. Having. Mm -hmm. Look now, because they've also changed so much. They've also grown so much. And I think if they could also go back in time, they would also do things differently. Sure. You know, subsequently as a family on my side and Jared's side, we've all become Christians. From, from becoming, you know, secular, we don't believe. Somehow we have found faith. And um, that's, it is strange. Um, but um, yeah, it doesn't really matter because we are here now doing something yeah, right, about it right that's the, that's, um, the, that's my favorite part so let's yeah. talk about let's talk about money and the budget <laughs> because this was a huge component of our working together and i don't think a lot of people realize i still have not done a podcast or a video or anything on money and marriage which it's on my list oh my gosh my list is so long it's on my list and it should go to the top because it's such a significant part of what i do and i don't think people realize that so i'm a big dave ramsey follower and I often tell my clients that the best thing to do alongside the coaching with me is to do Dave Ramsey plan with it because there's so much overlap with what he teaches about money. And then he gets into marriage as a result. I'm doing the marriage thing and I get into money as a result because there's no way to delink these two things. Right? Mm -hmm. So tell, tell everybody what happened with, with the budget and the money conversation. I think that was about halfway in through our coaching yeah. that that all changed. So what are the recommendations came through Rachel Cruz's um, book, Know Yourself, Know Your Money. Uh, I love Audible. I listen to things all the time. So I was like, that's no problem. I can do that for homework. And I just, yeah, from, from the minute she opened her mouth, it was just like, wow, 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 wow. Great wow. book. It was amazing. Um, and it taught, taught me a lot about Jared and myself. And um, it's, you know, shortly after listening to the book, we then managed to start with this budget. Um, although we weren't able to go with Dave Ramsey's software. The every dollar. Yeah. yeah, we're in and South we Africa. Were, right, you found something yeah, similar. We, we did find something. Um, but this was huge. I think because my idea of what a budget was, I mean, this is even someone who, you know, runs a, a business and who's mm -hmm. all business-minded. I realized actually not really because... I assumed that a budget was for someone who was struggling with their money, who didn't earn much money and had to budget it just to make what they had go a long way. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, we were so wrong. It, if I can say it changed our, our lives, it, it ch this will change the trajectory of our lives forever. Because mm -hmm. when I actually put up all those bank statements and drew them up into the software and looked back onto three months of how I was spending money, not Jared, because of course I was... Yeah. And let me pause there, everybody. They had separate bank accounts. That's how this com came up, which it always comes up in coaching because everybody I see has separate bank accounts, which hello <laughs> is the problem. Yeah. Or is emblematic of the problem. And um, so, you know, had to now go and look at, and, and I think that was it. It was now again, another opportunity through the coaching where this wasn't about Jared now, this was about, oh my goodness, look at, look at what you've been doing, you know, and it's a hidden thing until you actually draw up those statements and see how you've been spending money. It was horrifying. Um, I, I was actually shocked at how careless that I was being 
with money. And um, so the whole point now was to create this budget, but not just me creating the budget. Jared had to now, you know, have, he, he was going to be given half of my account. Um, and because we were just so um, proactive about wanting to make this work, it was really easy to do that. Um, we went to the bank, he has signing powers on the account, we closed his account, it's now our account. Right, and let me just pause there with the word given, because I know you didn't mean, you, what you meant was the money is now ours, not mine and yours, which is the big key there. It's not that you're giving him money because he has rights to half of yours and you have half of his, yeah. it's all in one pot. I just want to yes. emphasize that so people understand that that's what she means, is it's exactly. all in one pot. Yeah. And the names are on both of it. Sorry. Sorry, microphone. Um, as opposed <laughs> to separate. Go ahead. Yeah. So, I mean, it was, and it was really such a, um, a fun thing to do together because for the first time, it actually felt like Jared was able to partake. You know, I kept over the years, you're just not involved. You're not getting involved with what we do. Take ownership. And the guy's like, how? I'm not getting that though. I'm just thinking he's useless and that he doesn't want to do anything. But he never had the room or the space to do that. And so for the first time, it was like, hey, you know, this is actually half yours. And when it felt like, and it, and he, he'll tell you, it was difficult and it still is in the beginning now to take that ownership and to really feel um, safe. That it's that yeah. This half is. Yeah. Know? I'm like, serious, this is half yours. And so it kind of was an opportunity when we did the budget, but well, what do you think? How, what, what should we do with that? And it was so interesting because I learned that, you know, this guy's actually really clever and that he was able to bring so much value, especially when it came to deciding on how we're going to invest money and where we're going to put it. I sat there and was like, wow, who is this guy? He's really clever. Um, and it also took the mental load off. I don't actually want to worry about where I'm going to invest money or, and if it's the right one or the wrong one. Um, so that's really been great. And what it's also done is that we've been able to budget um, groceries and expenses. Jared's got a card, so he doesn't need to ask me and grovel like, oh, we need, we need food, can I use your card? He's got his card and if we need food, it's part of the budget, he can go and buy the food. Um, so it limits any form of um, arguing or even talking about money because everything we've done, we've pre-decided how that's going to work. So it's eliminated all money fights in our home altogether. The budget. So that's the key, the budget. I mean, it's almost, it's almost hard to imagine not budgeting. Like you can't even remember how you did things if you didn't budget and you weren't coming to the table every week. And I could say the same thing for yeah. my husband and me, because we didn't for many, many years. And we always struggled with which one to use and how to best do it. And, and, you know, it was never, there was, there was never any problem. That's, it's like you said, you think that you would only have to budget if there's a problem. Well, there were problems, but I mean, if, if like you don't have enough yes. or um, somebody was spending too, I don't know, you just, you think it's for that, but actually it's not. And so it's the key to, um, I mean, it sounds like a Dave Ramsey commercial, but seriously, I mean, it really <laughs> is the key to moving forward, not just financially in your life, but in your relationship. That's the part that obviously I care most about. And they're just, they're just, and, you, and I also find that it, it makes you far more intentional about your life together because we often meet up, you know, when you said that you and your husband come together two or three times a week to budget, I was like, whoa, it's totally overkill. You, you know, <laughs> is this, <laughs> Is I this said I don't want to put pressure work? on you. Don't 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 have to do that. Once a week is good. But, but it's ended up that it really is like that. It, it, you 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 naturally do tend to come to the budget two or three times a week because it's first of all it's it's exciting. You know, are we actually sticking to it? Yeah. And we so we felt really good. We're like, we sticking to it. We're getting it right. And it's also making us so much more intentional about what we want to do going forward. Yes, exactly. And, the and planning things. And really the key of all this is the thinking separate versus one unit. That's yeah. the ticket with this. That's why yes. the, the, the combining finances matter so much. And again, and I don't want to hear people, I know that, so this podcast just recently went to YouTube, you know, it was just audio. And um, so the audio people don't make comments, but now that it's on YouTube, people will. And I'm using your story as an example, not 
I don't want to hear people making any negative comments about anything because this is an example of what your generation has been taught. And I truly believe that you can't really ask people to know what they don't know if they were not taught. And if the culture isn't helping, your parents aren't helping, where is it going to come from? So I'm, I'm doing this so that people can see that this is not the way to do it, the way you did do it, as you have explained, and how there's another way. And that other way is, is a way forward for your marriage. And it's the opposite of what the culture teaches you, which, for example, when it comes to money, is to keep everything separate. Mm-hmm. Or people are buying houses together before they're married, um, which is w- not even knowing whether they're going to get married. Or, or not just houses, but making purchases um, without knowing whether or not they're going to be married. Or they're, they make a purchase based on two incomes instead of one because they think that you're both going to be in the workforce full-time year-round all the time, and then nobody can stay home when they want to. And that's another thing that we've talked about, um, you and I that had you made those decisions earlier to do those things um, properly, not the way the culture teaches you, you, you would have been in a different boat. Um, because I know you've said, we've talked about how you want now. You can tell people if you want about, I don't think we've mentioned your business. So tell people what your business is. Sorry about that. And how now it kind of runs on its own. It, like you're not in the way you were before. So um, it allows you flexibility, but you also, I guess what I'm trying to say is you've changed over the years in wanting to be home more. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yes. So it's called Happy Shrinkers, and we focus on weight loss programs and products for um, for ladies that are overweight. And predominantly, I think the focus of our business mostly is in the support and actually, you know, really being there for people during their their journey and and um, motivating them on their progress. I have a really lovely girl that works for me, Jade. So she assists me and we kind of, um, you know, have just, I've managed to sort of create it in such a way where it runs really well. We've been very consistent with systems and procedures. We're very consistent. And so I am flexible, you know, with how things work. Um, I think at the end of the day, though, a business is still a business um, and it, it, it does require that level of input from you. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do have these, you know, these dreams um, to sort of one day really get it to a point where I have to, you know, can check in for two hours a day and it, it that, that'll be sufficient. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, yeah, I could spend more time with the kids and, you know, um, be more present um, because it is difficult. I think, you know, that whole idea of you can have best of both, I, it didn't work for me. So, if, you know, I'm still waiting for the answer. I'm still waiting for this great idea of how it's, you can have the best of both worlds because you can't. Um, and and what, how would have things been different for you if you had known that, if somebody had told you that or if, if that was a yeah. given before you ever started? Yeah, and and you know that's a it's a it's a, it's a really hard question, but but it, it's a it's a good one to ask. If I could go back, would it be worth it? And I don't mm-hmm. think so. You know, it is what it is now. We need to earn money. Mm-hmm. Um, but if if I could go back, um, and this is where Jared's always helped me. He's got a very good way of seeing the bigger picture of life, and that's you know the idea of of catching the fish you need for you and your family is sufficient. You don't need to go out with a ship and and catch fish for the whole village. Um, I like that. That's a good analogy. <laughs> you know, so yep. so if you you know, and and I think he's always been quite level headed that yes, way. Yes, he is very more to lie. Um, and so yeah, my ambitions totally outdid me. Mm-hmm. And if I could go back, I probably would reconsider how I did it. And not to say maybe that I wouldn't have started my business. Um, but that there's enough, there's enough for us mm-hmm. and that we don't have to go all the way to the top and you climb this ladder and you realize that actually this is not the ladder you want to climb. And so you spend all your time going back down to search for the next one. Um, yeah. It's a never ending. It doesn't end, does it? It's yeah. like, yeah. again, another huge thing with, with your generation, you know, it's just, it's never enough. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So we began, you began, sorry, um, doing a gratitude journal and tell people about that. Yeah. So this one actually took me a bit of a, uh, like some time to get into. Um, but it, it did, it does help, it's, you know, three things in the morning that I had to just think of, you know, think of Jared and what it is I'm grateful for. Um, 
And it really helps put things into perspective, especially if you become, and it's a habit, I've actually had formed over the years a habit of critical thinking, especially when it came to Jared. Um, And so the gratitude journal was really a good way of helping you get yourself out of that habit of thinking a specific way Mm -hmm. about him. Yeah. Especially when resentment is involved and you have all these negative emotions that have been built up and unresolved for so long, you can't help but just think a certain way. And so the gratitude journal really just brought me back to all these amazing things. And you'll be surprised, you know, in the beginning, it's hard. It's like, um, number one, (laughs) but once you sort of get into it and you, um, humble yourself um you realize that there really is a lot to be grateful for and that changes your heart you know it changes change your, heart. your heart and how you you feel about that person um, and, and like didn't we talk jared, sorry i i you know I, and i i tend to easily forget like i often say to jared i will come out of bouts of anger and I, and I have to say you know i'm so sorry i forget so easily um and yeah he's always there to sort of be so easily forgiving and understanding and yeah. And we talked about that, I think a little bit, how the natural reaction or response for a woman that men don't relate to that, the thing of that feeling of resentment that is just not typically as a rule, a male thing where a man is building up resentment toward the woman, the way the woman does for the man. Um, And you were looking at him like, wow, he's, it's almost like he's a better person. He's a big, bigger person. Let's put it that yes, way. And you're trying exactly. to emulate that. Yeah. And yeah. whoever does that, whoever talks about how we as women should look to men to see how we might be better. Whoever talks yeah. like that. Yeah. And I mean, we were actually joking about it the other day and we were just saying, um, you know, and, and he was rightfully so like Jared said, I'm not sure many men would have put up with you. Mm-hmm. Like I have. And I realized he's so true. They probably either would have left or they would have had an affair because he's really actually put up with a lot. And, and like you say, all it's done is highlight and show me that he is the bigger person. Um, and wow, what a great guy, you know, to have stuck <laughs> through all of that. Um, he's yeah. a great guy. I can vouch for that. <laughs> um, and we talked a lot about noticing, going back to the very beginning when you said what was different this time before you got divorced was, for the first time looking at yourself instead of what was wrong with Jared and pointing fingers all the time. And he, you're a victim of him to all of a sudden looking in the mirror. It's basically what it was. Right. And yeah. part of that was about owning your responses to things. So, and this is true for men and women, but how you respond to somebody is all on you. It's not on the other person. There's nothing they can do to make you act a certain way. So when you feel that anxiety welling up in you as a result of something that somebody says or does, it's up to you to get in control of that emotion, not to lash out and then say, see, you're a bad spouse. You're making me do this. It's your fault. Mm-hmm. It's coming up with these things, breathing, mantras have been huge, right? Mantras yeah. are still huge for me. We, we do, I do them all through the coaching. That's huge is coming up with a phrase that is really about what's happening to you inside your body when you're feeling that anxiety about whatever it is, and then coming up with a phrase that tells your brain to do the opposite of what it's naturally doing. So what was yours? I can't remember. What it was. So mine was, it was really simple. It was really simple. It was just be calm and be still. That's all I needed to tell her. Just be calm, just be still. Just be calm, just be still. Because in that moment, I found then in the calmness and the stillness, my senses would come back and, and a more That's, rational mind. That's yeah. all I needed was just yep. to get to a point of just rational thinking. Um, and it's such a, it's, it's such a dynamic there because then what, with, when, when, if you don't do that, then the other person either removes himself or retaliates either, which is not good. So you, ideally you want each person to be responsible for their own reactions, but the mantra it just takes the onus completely off of what's, what the other person's doing. And then you're naturally going to bring, even if it requires this isn't the mantra, but this is a different tactic, removing yourself from the room temporarily and breathing. Right. Or um, like I used to, I used to tell my husband how to drive all the time years ago. It's been a long time. (laughs) Thank God. Cause it took me forever to get with the program. Um, And I wrote about that in the alpha book in order to stop it. I had to turn this way 
um, and look out the window and let the moment pass. If I was like felt feeling an urge to tell him, it was, I had to like close my eyes or turn away because when I was looking at it, I wanted to say, go this way, go that way. Um, yeah. And it took forever. And then I finally, it, it does go, it really go does away. work. It really yeah. does work, but it, yeah. it takes, um, if it's not your natural way of things, I used to think that you couldn't change years ago, that it was your personality, it was your personality and take it or leave it. You know, that's just mm-hmm. not true. It's also a very childish way of looking at a relationship, a marriage for yeah. life. You can't be just the way you are that you're going to have to adjust and and that's the thing with our generation is this there is that type of thinking it's a very selfish self-centered it's a case of well if you don't make me happy or if you bring certain things out of me it's not you know then yeah you you know um i should i should be with someone who makes me feel yep. good and feel yes. happy self-seeking yes um there's no responsibility like you say for for your reactions or how you're doing things um and like Jared and I were saying, that's why marriage is it's like the best self-development project you'll ever take in your life because it really is. No book is going to help you and no course or, or anything is going to help you become a better person. And it's almost, is that why, is that why we were designed this way? It's because it really keeps you in check to be a better person. And if we just keep going around demanding people to suit who we are, how do we ever grow and and become better people um bingo bingo that so is the reason. you know i was i got really lucky so you know I, I, and that's again perception and how we can choose to see things because yes there are still days now and i think oh my goodness this is crazy it's so hard mm-hmm. and then i just remember like oh you know i've been really blessed i was given a you know a, a tough project I'm capable and I can do it. And some of that is letting, you know, your feelings aren't facts, right? Feelings are not something you're supposed to act on. They're just feelings on that given day or moment. You don't do anything about them. You let them pass. Now, if it's recurring and it's the same thing over and over, you got to address it, but don't jump on every feeling you have. Just let it be a crappy feeling and move on. Mm -hmm. And the next day you're going to feel better. Um, Mm -hmm. It's, it's, it's like going the long haul, right? It's like looking looking out into the future of your life rather than living in the moment, which is another big thing in your generation is everything is nobody ever talks about, you know, a 25 year plan. It's always, what can I, what what can I do for tomorrow to to feel good or to get more money or to, I don't know, whatever the case may be. Yeah. Um, and then your philosophy, your marriage philosophy changed. And I think that's really important as well, because as you said, when you first started, you didn't have any, strong marriage philosophy wasn't even taken seriously so what do you think the significance of how you look at marriage what does that do for your marriage why does that improve it in your opinion so i think it's it's um again a generational thing where you go into a marriage and it's all about these two people who are just going to make each other happy um and so again, yeah, like you said, there's no deep philosophy. There's no reason other than a self-seeking space of you're here to serve me and make me happy. And how it's changed now, um, you realize that you're not with the wrong person. You can't be with the wrong person. Um, obviously, unless you're in an abusive relationship or something, you know, other than that. But um, it's such a um, there's no reason why it can't work, um, you know? And so I think, yeah, the philosophy of it is just, like I said earlier, that it's going to be your best self-development project. Um, yeah. And so that yeah. it's also a combined, um, it shifts it away from your individual desires and needs into a, um, a common goal, right? Yeah. The marriage With and the family people. is the goal. Yeah. Yes. Right. It's not just, yes, it's not what I can get out of it. Yeah. 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 It's just a whole different mindset. It's the kind of mindset that people had for generations up until recently. Mm -hmm. This is all new in the last 30 or 40 years. Before that, people took marriage very seriously and they did not see it as a me thing. They saw it as a, as a, as a Mm -hmm. uh, responsibility. Yeah. For society. I mean, that that was another thing. It's exactly, is that how, how do we, um, you know, for COVID, for example, and I thought to myself, well, rather the devil, you know, because, um, you know, it's a, it's a privilege to be with someone who loves you back now in the world. Um, how many people are, aren't finding that? 
you know so it, that's a privilege to just have someone by your side mm -hmm. things are crazy out there at the moment the world is weird so if you can just have someone who's standing next to you just to hold you and who knows that you can trust and support them i think you've already got everything you know that most people don't have Amen. Um, and so that's a huge i think that to me has shook me is that um i've almost behaved like a brat you know and i'm looking at myself and i'm going wow um, there's so much to be grateful for. And then of course, for my, for my children, mm -hmm. um, what a privilege that they will be able to grow up with, a, with the parents who, who really have tried their best to maintain what's actually normal and what should be normal. Um, and so hopefully that will then give them a better, better start to life than, than we had so that they don't have to do this. They don't have, they can actually enjoy their time with the people they marry one day instead of wasting so much time. Uh, if I look back now on the, the time that has been stolen from Jared and myself, um, from just being miserable and it was all decisions. I chose to be that way. I, I unknowingly, but I did. Um, mm -hmm. So silly, just such a waste of, of time. Um, and so, yeah, I'm very grateful that we've had the opportunity to, to do this. Well, I'm really grateful that you came on to talk to me. So, you know, I can't even tell you, just so, so grateful, so happy, cannot thank you enough. I know thank people you. are going to love this. I know it's going to help. Um, I can't wait till it comes out. Um, yeah, I really just am very grateful for you. Yeah, and thank you for everything. I think I'm going to be a celebrity here in South Africa because I've got all my friends and my sister and all the ladies in my life like, Suzanne, we love Suzanne. So I love yeah. it. <laughs> that is so awesome. Thank you, Lauren. Yeah. And I, I, you're my favorite. You're, I mean, South Africa. You're my only South Africa client. So yeah. obviously um, that, that, was, that has been big fun for me too. So yeah. Um, okay. So um, we'll talk again soon. And thank you again. And that ends this hour of the Suzanne Benker Show. Don't forget to continue the conversation on Facebook by typing in the Facebook search bar, The Suzanne Benker Show. Also, please recommend this podcast to one friend you think would enjoy it. And don't forget to leave us a review on whatever platform you're now using. Finally, if you have a question or comment for me, you can email me at Suzanne at the Suzanne Benker Show .com. Thanks for listening, everyone. Have a great week.